Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show was a tough loss last night for the Hawks. What they face the rest of the season and some Falcons D-line notes. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to all of your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard when they become available. And you can give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, was another blown lead last night. So I guess the good news in all of this is that both the Pace or sorry, the Raptors and the Chicago Bulls lost last night. Now we talked about this yesterday, but the idea of okay, Toronto's at home, could they tie the the Hawks if the Hawks lose, you know, well, somehow Indiana beat Toronto on their home floor, which just kind of shows you where the bottom tier of the NBA is right now in the Eastern Conference. I mean, just None of those teams are any good, and you don't know night in, night out what you're going to get. But it was a double-digit lead for the Hawks that they blew again. Um, you know, Trey had a big night scoring, but he was 6-16 from the field overall. DeJounte Murray didn't play last night, and, you know, it's kind of is what it is, you know, right now. Now, the Atlanta Hawks, <laughs> this is this is kind of fascinating when you when you look at this. The Atlanta Hawks are now two and nine in the second half of back-to-back games. So games where there's no rest, no days off in between, right? The back-to-back thing that the NBA does. The Hawks are now two and nine in those games. The other teams that are at or below what the Hawks are, the Mavericks are also two and nine. The Rockets are two and 10. That's maybe the worst team in the NBA. The Magic are 1-11 on the back end of a back-to-back. That's maybe the worst team in the Eastern Conference. And the San Antonio Spurs are 1-12. That's a team that, yes, we blew a 24-point lead to, but they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. So if you're looking for something to hang your hat on, uh, you know, uh, this this has been a disaster in these back-to-backs. You're at the bottom tier of the NBA. When you're dealing in teams like Orlando, Houston, San Antonio, you're the bottom sludge on the bottom of the barrel when all is said and done. Now, I guess it's good that the Hawks set an NBA record last night, right? This is now 26 games where the Hawks have been either one game or one one game above or one game below 500. And that's what this season has become, right? And that's why we've said for weeks on this podcast, this idea of getting up to six and all this kind of stuff, brother, I'm just trying to hang on to the number eight seed for dear life. And and they're certainly getting some help because Chicago, Toronto, all losing, you know, the bottom tier of that Eastern Conference really stinks. And the Hawks are right there in that mix. I mean, when you talk about Washington, Indiana, Chicago, Toronto, 
The Hawks are right there in that mix. We thought going into the season that the Hawks would be maybe closer to Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, right toward the top half of that Eastern Conference bracket. And this team is going to have to do some real soul searching because this roster is just not figuring out a way to get it done. And and now you have to see about, because look, I think change is, is really coming. And I think it's going to be, yes, I do think that Nick Ressler and I think that Landry Fields and Kyle Korver will be on board with making some changes. And Quinn Snyder as well, they'll be on board. But this will be driven by Tony Ressler. Because again, I don't think he's going to start living through seasons where we're sitting in that 8-9 seed and we're paying out all this money and we're never getting any better. We keep straddling that line of luxury tax and things like that. So I, I do think that this will be a, a very much influenced offseason by what Tony Russell wants to do. Not that he's going to make the basketball decisions, but the direction of what this franchise needs to be. I don't think they're going to trade Trey Young. I, I certainly think that if they could move Collins or Capella or DeAndre Hunter in a deal, they'd ship one or maybe multiple of those guys off. I do think that it will be interesting to see if they if they keep DeJounte Murray, because DeJounte Murray will probably be more valuable in the offseason to trade than he will be at the all-star, you know, on the trade deadline or toward the all-star break, right? Because again, if he's on an expiring contract and he's going to get all kinds of cash money. I don't know how many teams are going to want to take on that contract just because, okay, we got a good player and it's, and he doesn't cost you a whole lot of money, but if he just walks out the door, we've given up assets. Of course, that's where kind of the Hawks are sitting right now and everything with, you know, having what three number one picks or whatever like that. And I'm not so much worried about the draft picks and, and, and things like that, but you know, you'd like to have something back for DeJounte Murray if he's not going to resign here, but it does make you wonder about whether or not DeJounte Murray will re-up with the with the Atlanta Hawks. Will, will he sign an extension? Would he be in the market, you know, for that? You know, I, I do think that he is going to test free agency. I don't think he completely rules out the Atlanta Hawks, but I do think that he's going to test free agency because he can make a lot more money, even whether the Hawks retain his services or not. If he goes to the free agent market, he can make more money than he can signing a, an extension with the Atlanta Hawks. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago that, you know, look, depending on what the new CBA is going to be and all that kind of stuff with the percentage of how much you can pay a, a player on an extension, if that percentage moves up, maybe that makes it a little bit more attractive. But right now this experiment hasn't really worked itself out. And we had so many expectations about the excitement level of the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, Again, whether we're moving forward, you know, in years gone by and all that kind of stuff and what we do, but for this season, we certainly had higher expectations, but we really are a bottom tier team within the Eastern Conference of the NBA. We're way more like Toronto, Chicago, Indiana, and teams like that than we are Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia. Even the Knicks have passed us by. Even the Brooklyn Nets with trading all of their superstars away. With all the guys that they traded away, right? Kyrie, Durant, whatever. With all trading those guys away, hey, they did themselves well 
they did themselves well with bringing talent back. They 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 got Dinwiddie and and uh, Macau Bridges and guys like that. Okay, those are pretty good players. I'm not saying that they're Durant or Kyrie, but they've been pretty good. So if we clear things out, clear off the deck, don't just rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. If we start to clear some things out, hopefully that with Quinn Snyder and his organization moving forward, that we can figure some things out. But next year, next year is going to be a kind of must win for this franchise kind of year. Or if it's not, if it's not any better than seven, eight, nine, they're going to blow this organization up. They'll give it, I think, one more year, but this organization will be blown up sooner rather than later. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and as NCAA tournament action is starting up again tonight, we start the Sweet 16. By the end of the weekend, we'll be into the Final Four, and we'll know the matchups for all of that. If you're a new customer and you go to FanDuel.com today, you can claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to point scores to the number of three-pointers drained, everything in between. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So head to FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. So looking at the Hawks' remaining schedule, this is not going to be an easy trek, okay? So we talk about just trying to wrap our arms around and hang on for dear life to the eighth seed. According to Tankathon, the Hawks have, are you ready for this? The second hardest remaining schedule in the NBA, not just in the Eastern Conference, the entirety of the NBA. Only the Philadelphia Phillies have a harder strength of schedule left the Hawks have games against, and these are all solo games, so there's nobody left that they play twice. But they play Boston, they play uh, Philadelphia, they play Memphis, they play Cleveland, they play Brooklyn. Then they also play some of the lower-tier teams, but Washington's already beaten us once. Indiana, Chicago, who we're competing against, and the Dallas Mavericks. So this is going to be tough sledding. And I was kind of looking at this. You know, listen, if the Hawks could find a way to go five and four in this whole thing, I, I would take that. I, I would take at this point five and four with the nine games that we have left. Okay. Do I have a fear that we would be more like three and six because of some of the teams we play? Boston, Philly, Brooklyn. Right. I mean, even even the teams that are supposedly kind of scab teams, Chicago's got a lot to play for because they're trying to hang on for dear life to a playoff spot, to at least a a play in round. And I say playoff spot, you know, I mean, these these Fakakta play in tournament games and stuff like that. But they're trying to hang on for dear life 
to a play-in round spot. Even got even teams like Indiana. You know, we just talked about the idea of you know the Hawks are hanging around that. So when you play Washington, Indiana, Chicago, like those teams are right at where the Hawks are. I mean, there's there's really no difference between the Hawks and where those teams are. So we say like you know we don't have any of the real scab teams, Detroit, Orlando, you know Houston, anybody like that, but. You know, even the teams that we're playing that are non-playoff teams, we're right there in the mix with where those teams are. And again, we've talked about the idea of we don't know from night in, night out what we're going to get from this team. Do, do I think that the Hawks, when you look at what this schedule is, Bo- uh, sorry, um, Milwaukee, or sorry, Boston, Philly, Memphis, Cleveland, Brooklyn, that that's the teams that are above the Hawks right now. Okay, that five that five games. Let's just take that five games. Do I think that the Hawks could go three and two in that five game set? I mean, certainly the Hawks have the talent. Certainly the Hawks are capable of going three and two. It's not like that those teams are so unbeatable. You know, again, they're not the Warriors from a few years ago, 72 and 10. But obviously, those are the top tier teams in the Eastern Conference. And most likely, if you get into the first round of the actual playoff, you probably very realistically are going to have to play either Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly. However, that shakes itself out. And Philly's the hottest team in the NBA right now, right? They've they've been outstanding of late. Embiid is probably in line to win the MVP award. So, again, when you don't know what you're going to get, like the Hawks are not so bad that we're going to go 0-5 in a stretch like that. But they're not so good that we're four and one capable. We're literally living in that two and three, three and two. And again, if I can just get the Hawks to find a way to maybe be five and four, maybe even four and five when all is said and done, as long as it's not three and six or, you know, two and seven or something like that. But could the Hawks do that? Yeah. Yeah, the Hawks could absolutely lay an egg like that. Now, when you look at a couple of the other teams that are around uh, the Atlanta Hawks that, you know, fighting for all these playoff spots, Toronto has the 13th hardest schedule in the NBA. Washington has the 17th hardest schedule in the NBA. The Bulls have the 21st hardest schedule in the NBA. Miami is 23rd on this list. New York is 29th, Cleveland is 30th. They have the easiest schedule moving forward. So unfortunately, a lot of the teams that you're right, you know, in the mix with that are of several spots above you or kind of right in the mix of, you know, right below you, you know, they have a little bit easier schedule. I mean, obviously with the Hawks having the second toughest schedule remaining out there, everybody's going to be that. But there is a pretty good gap when you talk about where the Raptors and Bulls are and things like that versus where the Hawks are. So again, we've talked about this. Just wrap your arms around the idea of the eight seed and just hang on to it for dear life. Like a like a ship that's capsizing and you know about to fall, you know, tip over in the ocean. Just wrap your arms around the idea of just being that eight seed. The schedule itself is not going to be very easy. And as long as you can be just, you know, again, what we've been all year, a game above 500 at five and four, a game below 500 at four and five, 
we can just kind of get into that realm. I'm not expecting six and three or seven and two, but I do feel like, you know, if this thing starts to go sideways a little bit, I do wonder about whether or not we would put up a three and six or a two and seven. I would hope that's not the case. And I would hope that this team would fight for its play in spot, but with only a game separating Toronto, a game and a half separating the Bulls at this point. And again, you got some you got some good fortune last night that those teams weren't able to close the gap on the Hawks. I don't know where we're gonna be with uh with all of this. So anyway, uh after making hit and hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day, make sure you make locked on sports today your second listen, biggest stories of the day, instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So a couple of thoughts on the uh, Falcons defensive line that have popped up here the last day or so. So we saw that Eddie Goldman is now coming out of retirement and the Falcons are signing him. Okay. Um, Kind of scratching my head here about what happened with Eddie Goldman. Now, look, is Eddie Goldman a, a game changer, different things like that? No, but he is a nice rotational piece. I mean, he he is a guy that he's got the size, right? Six foot three, 325 pounds. You know, he's he's had some success. He's obviously been a starter a lot. So you can put him in the rotation. Is he really productive? Eh, I mean, he was a few years ago, but the last couple of years, he's only grabbed, you know, 2021 was the last time he played half a sack that year. 2019, he had uh, one sack. He didn't play in the COVID year. I think I don't know if it's because of injury or what have you. But um, so again, this is just a a depth piece that maybe we we're a little bit more excited about come the beginning of last season that maybe he could help out before we saw that Taquan Graham kind of jumped up forward because we didn't know exactly what he was going to be. And anybody that we can line up next to Grady that's a bigger body and help Grady Jarrett out, okay. So, again, I, I'm I'm not bothered by this move or whatever like that. It's just rotational depth at this point. You saw that Abdullah Anderson, who I would have rather had Abdullah Anderson over Eddie Goldman, but, okay, Anderson signed somewhere else, and now he's off to, to greener pastures and all that. So if Eddie Goldman can come out of retirement and, and help this all and, God knows he should be pretty well rested. I mean, he's 29 years old. He's going to be 30 come January of next year. But God knows he should be rested. He didn't play at all last year, retired last year, and didn't play in the COVID year either. So he should be like physically ready to go and all that kind of stuff. Maybe he can give us some kind of boost or bounce back. But again, we'll see. Now, the other note on uh, the Falcons defensive line that is intriguing is the idea that Calais Campbell is scheduled for an interview with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, when we're talking about pass rushers for the Baltimore Ravens, I, I would tell you that I would rather have Justin Houston or Ngakwe, but Calais Campbell is definitely a guy that I'm intrigued by. Now, he's 36 years old. He's going to be 37 by the time the season starts. Five and a half sacks last year. Um, only had a, 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 a one and a half sacks in 2021. And obviously he's been a high caliber guy. You know, he's had years where he finished uh, second in the NFL and defensive player of the year 
in 2017. So he's obviously had a little bit of production, but obviously all of that has kind of gone down as you're getting to 36, 37 years old. But if he can, if he can work with and and teach some of these guys or mentor some of these guys and, and understand he's six, eight, 300 pounds. And this is one of those other reasons why I would love to see a Keon white be here. You know, a guy who's got the thickness and the size and things like that, that Calais Campbell has as well. You know, more than Nolan Smith or guys like that, that are 238 pounds. And it's not that Calais Campbell couldn't work with and teach some of those guys, some of those things, but certainly Eva Cady or a Keon White, you know, guys that he could have a real influence on. I'm all for that. And, and I don't know if this is a situation where, remember in the Super Bowl year, that, you know, they had Dwight Freeney that was on the roster, I think the year before in 2015, and he was working with Vic Beasley and, you know, trying to mentor him and all that kind of stuff. And then in 2016, Vic Beasley had his breakout year. He led the NFL in sacks and was the second most important reason why we were in the Super Bowl next to Matt and his performance that year. Vic Beasley had that one big breakout season. And for all of Vic Beasley's, you know, faults and warts and different things like that, even a guy who could get you seven or eight sacks, I'd kill for that right now. Like somebody who could consistently get you seven or eight sacks right now, but be that what it is. But again, I don't know if this is going to be a situation where Calais Campbell looks at an organization like the Falcons and he's going to have some suitors out there. You know, there's talk about whether or not he would go back to Baltimore, but my preference would be if I could have some of those older defensive guys and, and not that Ngakwe is all that old, he's 27 years old, but I would certainly much rather roll the dice, honestly, on a Justin Houston or an Ngakwe, first and foremost, where you could line one of those guys up and just come right off the edge and in a rotational role and things like that and see what kind of production that they have. Or even, again, work with our young pass rushers, whether it's Malone, whether it's Evacati, you know, even teaching Lorenzo Carter or something. But, again, I like the idea of having Calais Campbell in the mix and he's coming here to interview i wonder if he is not going to be a guy that finds himself on a roster that is more super bowl competent right like there's rumors that the buffalo bills i think they're going to have him in to talk as well and with all due respect okay and i'm saying this with all due respect because it's in the geneva convention if it's the buffalo bills all right or it's the atlanta falcons who do you think i'm picking like Buffalo's a Super Bowl caliber team. They they are Super Bowl caliber level. I mean, when you get to be 36, 37 years old, I think that you're looking for a more Super Bowl appearance. Now, look, again, Falcons have the division wide open and they could win and this, that, and the other. But with all due respect, we can't compare where Buffalo is in the year of our Lord 2023 versus where the Falcons are in the year of our Lord 2023. Like those two organizations are not even comparable. But maybe he looks at the Falcons as a team that he can come in, mentor some. You know, maybe he's thinking about, you know, in the future, if he wants to get into coaching or different things like that. I don't know what his mindset is. I don't know where he's at right now. But could he come in and be a piece that is part of a rotation? Sure. He, he's a guy that can come in and help out. Look, he started 14 games last year. Last two years, he's made 28 starts in the last two years. So he could still be, if you get somebody injured or somebody hurt, or if you want to start the year off with, 
you know, again, if we draft number eight and it's a, it's a, you know, defensive edge kind of player, you could start Ebikati and a Calais Campbell until your number eight pick is ready to step in and, and produce, right? And remember, Ebikati only started one game last year. So when this team talks about its young guys, you know, Grant didn't hardly start. Grant only played 20% of the snaps his rookie year. Ebikati only started one game last year. You know, they've been hesitant, you know, obviously the whole, you know, Desmond Ritter thing, but obviously they've been hesitant to throw their rookies into the fire other than Jalen Mayfield, who was the worst offensive lineman in the league. They were thrilled to, to do that. But anyway, that's a whole nother discussion for another day. But I, I like the idea of a Calais Campbell to be here and maybe mentor and produce on the field. So if he does decide to go with the Atlanta Falcons, hey, more power to him. I mean, I, I, I would not be angry about that. Every even five or five and a half sack guy that we can get gets us that many sacks closer to 38. Because until you tell me that we're going to be a 38-40 sack team in this league, I'm not believing playoffs or anything like that. I'll stick to my guns until I see it all happen. As the Ghostbusters said, we are ready to believe you. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck where your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game uh, recaps, and the take of the day. Of course, they are for free on Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts from. We ask you to subscribe or follow us for free on YouTube, Locked On Sports Atlanta. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard when they are available to you. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. 